Happy Saturday, guys, and welcome to an episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. A day late and a dollar short, but a guy's got things to do. And one of those things to do was to edit the podcast and punch out an intro. Although I did this podcast last Sunday, I didn't have a chance to get it dialed in and do the intro. And I've had a ton going on this week. If you guys watch the gram, follow me on the gram. You could have seen what was happening. A lot was happening. If you'll recall last podcast, when we did the roundtable, we talked about uh, original cars, low mileage, which then then turned into, once again, Bill T talking about his cars. And I talked about the Mexican Beetle that I used to own. And I said, I'm going to reach out to the gal that I sold it to and see about getting it back. So needless to say, she called me, she reached out to me via uh, Facebook Messenger. And she said, hey, do you think the bug's worth this? I got a guy who might want to buy it. And I said, stop, I'll buy it. I'll give you X amount of dollars for it and come pick it up. Great, can you get it today? No, I can't. I can come get it next Monday. Perfect. That's this last week's Monday. So I shoot down Arizona and I'm reunited with the Mexican, El Diablo, the Rojo, my favorite, one of my favorite cars that I had. And I was so conflicted when I owned this thing because I, I hated putting miles on it. And so I'm really stoked that I got it now and I've made the conscious decision that I am going to drive this car. Like, I don't care. I'm putting, well, the plans for this car are going to be swap the ring and pin in the tranny, go a taller fourth gear so it's a freeway hauler, uh, take the heads off and switch it out to... US spec 1600 heads and then put a little turbo setup on it. I don't want to split the case. I don't want to do any of that kind of stuff. The plan is to just drive this bad bird. Just make it reliable. We've got an AC kit for it as well, so that's going to go in it. Of course, all that will be with a lot of supervision and installation by my boy George over at the wagon. So look out for the Rojo. It's going to be a fun little project. I keep wanting to go crazy German look with it, but I love how it looks in those little four-lug cosmics. So if you guys saw on Instagram, I did a little shoot on it this morning. I drove it to Cars and Coffee, man. It's such a cool car. Matter of fact, while I was down there today, I ran into Scott Sane from South Carolina, and we're going to have him on the podcast. He's actually dropping in the studio tomorrow. If you guys are listeners to the podcast and you're going to be coming out to Vegas, man, hit me up because definitely love to sit down with you, get you in the studio, and we just talk about some VW good times. Then that was Monday, right? Monday comes and goes, and Wednesday I had scheduled to go down and pick up Future Shock. So if you guys are following on Instagram, you're getting a lot more exposure than you are on Facebook, and I got to start doing a little balance, but I, I like chucking up the reels because they're easy. I can put music to them and make my little music videos. It was Thursday I decided to run down. Shout out to my boy Chuck Gillahan for loaning me his enclosed trailer. I shot down a Phoenix, picked up the car, left here, woke up at 345, got my makeup on and all that stuff, and then got ready to roll out, headed out of Vegas at 5 a.m., got down to Phoenix about 1030, and I saw Future Shock for the first time. Now, this car, like, I didn't get into the scene until 89, a little bit later, and I never really, like, going back a year in magazines was, like, lame. I was like, you know, whatever. And then later on, as I got more involved in the scene, started collecting some magazines, I started seeing some of the old stuff and really got, you know, really hyped about some of those old cars that were built, but never really spent a lot of time checking out Future Shock, right? Checked it out, did the podcast with Steve Connect and all that stuff, and really, uh, you know, the, the everything was going on at Bakersfield, right? Like Steve had a heavy influence in it, right? Because he had the shop and graphics were his thing, customization was his thing, and he really did a lot technology pushing in the 80s in Bakersfield, right? So anything that was cool coming out of Bakersfield was touched by Steve at some point or another, trust me. And uh, I get there and I check the car out and it's like, I, I look at the car and I'm just like, I'm blown away, man. I'm looking at this car and it's like crazy time capsule. It's like I just laced up and went back into 1987. And what's funny is there's a there's a YouTube channel, guys, uh, 69VW or VW69 
on YouTube, and I'll post a link to it in the description, that there's a uh, a video a guy took at the 89 VW Classic. And at the 89 VW Classic, the first car that you see when the when it opens up is you see uh, Chop Rod. That's the first car you see in my red rag chop. And then later on the video, you see Steve's car. You see Future Shock, and then you see uh, George Delfino's Shockwave, right? So you see all these... You see all these cars, and it's just it, it's so crazy that these cars are there. And I did a little video. With, it didn't go on Facebook, went on Instagram, where I put the two cars together, and the song was reunited by Peaches and Herb, and uh, it, was, it was great stuff. And getting this car back here, when I saw that car first time, I really I, I looked at it, and I was just blown away at how cool this car was. And then the more I studied it, the more I looked at it, the more I realized how much work he had in this car. And then we know what he sold it for back in the day. Sold it for like, uh, sold for like fifty five hundred bucks in two thousand six, which was an unbelievable bargain. If you were if you were an investor in a future uh, future valued show cars, you would know to snag this one, right? So uh, I I get to pick up the car, I check it out, man, and this thing is just is so cool that it's been preserved. That it's just it is literally a snapshot of the best of the best of the eighties, right? So I get this car load up the trailer. I, I, I call Tori and I'm like, bro, I will pay you every penny that you bought for this car. Like every penny you paid for this car, I'll buy it from you right now. He's like, really? I said, yeah, dude, I, I'm in love with this car. Like from the French headlights, to the welded fender seams to the roadster top to like, uh, like this thing is just, bro, I'm going to grow my mullet back and rock this thing, dude. So anyway, he's stoked. I'm stoked for him. And uh, the car is here at my, at my house. And I'm storing it for him until uh, until later on this year. And it's just such a cool car, man. So I think I'm going to do a deep dive video on the car. Just a, a total breakdown of everything as I go through it. Um, really kind of give you guys all the ins and outs of Future Shock. Uh, I get Tori's permission to make sure I can do that. But I think it really is deserving of this car to, uh, to really really have everybody understand what's going into this car. It's like a three-page article in the magazine, and there's so much that's overlooked, right? So there's a lot of cool stuff about this car to bring up, and I'd love to do a video. It, it deserves a it deserves a video on this car. Um, I've had a couple of listeners ask for some deep-dive videos or some walk-arounds on my cars to go over what's done and you know some of the custom features that maybe you might not pick up or get some of that personal knowledge. So we'll probably do that, but you know, Tori will be in town for the Let's Talk Dubs one crazy weekend, and you'll be able to see Future Shock that weekend. So that weekend's going to be September 24th. It's going to be kicking off, and that's going to be the greatest time of your life if you bring your Volkswagen, right? Two strip cruises on Friday night, one at 6, one at 9. Saturday morning, there's a car show at the back of the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Saturday night kicks off the Let's Talk Dubs in the Wagon one crazy weekend poker run. The poker run, we're going to be dishing up cash money. Cash money. We'll have some cool adventurous places for you guys to stop at. Pick up your poker cards. It's about a two-hour run around the city to get your poker cards. Just something fun to do, trooped up with a bunch of other VWs, man. The people that did it last year love it. You guys show up this year. You will love it too, that I guarantee. And that's what's going to be happening this, this next upcoming one crazy weekend, September 24th. The code to get discounts on the room pay attention to get discounts on the room the code is avw1c09 avw1c09 that is the code to book your rooms for the one crazy weekend so we're excited that they've got uh 
we, that, that we're going to be doing it this year. We were excited. We've got a date from the hotel. So we're locked. We're loaded. You're going to see a lot of promo stuff coming out. If you guys are interested, if anybody's interested out there in sponsoring the podcast or sponsoring <laughs> Freudian slip, if you're interested in sponsoring the uh, One Crazy Weekend, send me an email, bill at letstalkdubs.com. That's bill at letstalkdubs.com. Feel free to shoot that to me your sponsorship interest because we're looking for raffle prizes and things like that. And I'll be reaching out to some sponsors coming up. But yeah, that's that's what we've got happening right now. Uh, it's rad. I'm super stoked. And I'm going to say rad a lot lately because the 80s are back, baby. The 80s are all up in this humpy bumpy. That's uh, that's where we're at so far this week. Uh, I'm looking forward to, the, to September coming up to get to see all, all the people back here really enjoying the time behind the wheel in their Volkswagens. You guys will get to see Chop Rod, Rag Chop, whatever I decide to call it on the day. You guys also get to see Future Shock, and we'll be able to tie in some of the... Who knows? There could be some more 80s car shows up. You never know. You never know. Now, this week's podcast. So, a few years... I mean, we're talking 20 years ago when I was starting to build the bus, and I was looking for power plant, and I started going down that Type 4 rabbit hole. Well, there was a website called Type 4 Secrets Revealed at tunican.net or something like that and uh it was a guy by the name of tom slider and he was he had a website that was just kind of giving you the once over on why you should use a type four all the benefits features and benefits of type four versus type one and he and i crossed paths again i hit him up and i said dude let's do a podcast man let's just do a podcast on type four secrets revealed which is what his new site is so if you guys go to type4secrets.com you'll be able to check out the uh the type four secrets you'll be able to follow along. You can click down the notes, and I'll have that. Uh, I'll have that in the. I'll have that in the show notes, so you guys can click on that, check it out. It's really cool stuff. I've got a couple core type fours. This got stuck in my craw now, and I'm like, I got the bug me video, the tear down and rebuild of the type four. I'm gonna go bore my family and force everybody to watch it with me. So you can look forward to hearing the stories about how that goes down, but. I think I'm going to build a Type 4, guys. I think I'm going to build a 2.2 liter for myself, slip-in, pistons, the whole shebang, bang, boing, and uh, probably be supervisor under the the eyes of my boy, um, Adam Wick. I'm going to go bump into his shop and try to invade his space for a minute. We'll see if I can do that or maybe force him to come over here. But I'll try to get as much of it on video as I can. We'll try to make it short and sweet and to the point. But um, I'm excited. This got me hyped again thinking about it because I was driving my square back last weekend to Cars and Coffee. And, man, it's just got a gutless 1600 that's had its life beat out of it. And uh, it really needs a 2.2-liter Type 4 in there. So that's my plan. That's what's happened for the square back. And then square back, you put a feather in its cap, and it's done. Well, okay, two things, two things. I'm not going to lie. It needs 2.2-liter Type 4. And a full-length rag top. Yep, that's right. That's all that's getting done in that car. Oh, and a stereo system, too. I got to throw a stereo system in there as well. So those three things it's going to get. I got a lot of projects, guys. So if uh, you guys are in town, you want to help, uh, feel free to give me a buzz, and uh, I'll let you guys grab some wrenches and come over here and do some stuff. So that's going to be what's happening with the square back. So look for the Type 4 build. And I haven't forgot about the giveaway bug, man. Uh, I was talking to George today, and I got a whole cabinet of impy goodies and I said to George, I said, dude, why don't we take the giveaway bug and just throw on all the empty crap that I got, like all the, the tack and the gauges and the steering wheel. He's got a steering wheel. And then George started to resist a little bit. I said, bro, how cool would that be, dude? He's like, I get away giving away an empty steering wheel with that car. I'll put a repop on there. I said, no, bro. Legends don't give away repops, bro. 
And that's how you guys listen. You just, if you're paying close attention, you're picking out these gems and knowledge that I'm giving you. You're putting them in your pocket, all right? So uh, that's, uh, listen, I think I'm a T bar. I think we're going to T bar the 67. We're going to polish up the original white paint, get her clean, put the BRMs on it, put a TMI interior kit in it. Shout out to TMI if they want to sponsor an interior kit for the 67. I'll be hitting you up shortly. But we're going to do uh, a TMI stock interior kit, rubber mats. And then uh, we'll do, I think I think I might donate my MP gauges and find myself an MP GTZ. Just make it a pretty cool giveaway car, right? I mean, something cool and something that uh, that I think everybody will dig. So uh, we'll see, man. That's It's still on the burner. I'm hoping at some point this year we might be able to just, I got to collect the parts and pieces for it. And then we'll just schedule two weeks just to bang that car out. So um, motor wise, I think we might do a little 1641 or something for it or, or 1776, but we'll see, we'll see what we're going to do for that car. We'll just do something simple and easy. Just a nice little cruiser, bro. Cow look cruiser. You'd be thankful for what you get for the giveaway car, but the giveaway car will have raffle tickets for it. And we're going to do a legit raffle for this thing. We'll set up the raffle prices, the tickets, all that stuff. So you guys can jump in and one of you guys going to get a bone dry, rust free 67, Lotus White on BRMs with Cowlick flavor and maybe some super rare MP goodies inside it. Because that would be legendary, right? Give away some expensive MP goodies, right? So that's the plan right now. Um, Man, that's a lot, man. 14 minutes into the podcast. We haven't even heard the intro yet, baby. We haven't even heard the intro, but hopefully you guys like it. You dig what's going on. Uh, but right now, this podcast, just to give you a heads up. This podcast is sponsored by VW Trends, the magazine for the people, by the people. That's right. The guys from the hobby put it back together. Go to VWTrendsMagazine.com, and don't forget to subscribe, guys. Subscribe to VW Trends Magazine. I did, and you should. And the first issue was dope. The next issue is coming out soon. Don't miss the boat, man. Get your copy of VW Trends Magazine. Follow them on Facebook, and you'll see the shops that maybe in your town are signing up to sell their magazine, man. But it's rad. It's a good quality magazine. They're a show sponsor, so support VW Trends Magazine. And you might see a good-looking picture of your boy right here on the inside cover. But uh, without any further ado, guys, we're going to listen to some Type 4 secrets revealed. So if you ever had an, a, an idea of how you're going to build a Type 4 what you want to do to the Type 4, why should you build a Type 4, this is the podcast to listen to. So this week's podcast, Tom Slider, Type 4 Secrets Revealed on Let's Talk Dubs. Okay, everybody. So on today's show, in the past, you guys know that I talk about Type 4 stuff a lot. And then some of my history as to where I got into Type 4s comes from back in the day with, uh, you know, on the Samba and searching the net and whatnot. And there was a there's a site way back in the day called, uh, it was on a, uh, it may have been on Rabie's site with a bunch of links to their Type 4 sites. And one was called tunican.net slash Type 4. And that site gave me a lot of insight and gave me a lot of information as far as doing my Type 4 conversion or going into the Type 4 world. And on today's show, I've got Tom Slider, who's out of Laramie, Wyoming, by way of California, who is the uh, 
the guy who originally set that site up and he has a new site uh, or has redirected that same site at a new web address called typeforcesecrets.com. And uh, Tom, welcome to Tom to the podcast. Hey, Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Bill. Good to be here. Yeah, so you and I kind of connected over uh, over Facebook Messenger a little bit ago, um, chatting a little bit, and actually supported the podcast a little bit, buying some merch. I appreciate that. And yeah, well, thank you. I love it. And and by way of uh, you know us getting a talk and you know i found out that you had that original type four site and i said well you know i i'd love to do a type four you know there, you can't get enough of engine information right and so um that was kind of our purpose for doing this site today was it or this um this podcast today was to talk specifically about type four type four conversions to kind of rolling into that but the way we always start the podcast is with your vw story and how you got into volkswagen so what's your vw story well, for me, um, actually, I was around Volkswagens from the start. My parents, shortly after they got married, um, bought a 69 Bug that I actually drove today. Um, that, that car was given to me when I graduated from high school, so I grew up in the car, and I've had her ever since. I recently just got her back on the road. Um, but my parents also had a bus, 73 bus. And I had grandparents who had everything from bugs to type threes to type fours to rabbits. And actually one of them had a camper. Uh, so, you know, it was, um, it, I guess it was, you could say it was destined involved <laughs> yeah. um, in Volkswagens. And you're originally, now originally you were from Southern California, right? Yes, I am actually, I was born and raised in um, Fontana, California, which is where they hold the bug in now. Yeah. I was on the other side of town from it, but yeah, I was uh, I was born and raised there, and um, kind of moved around a little bit over the years, and then five years ago, um, packed up most everything and uh, moved up here to Wyoming. Now, how's the scene up in Wyoming? Well, Wyoming is it, it's it's probably if I remember right, it's the least populated state. So as a result, you just don't have a lot of people. Um, Laramie has a population of like just over 30,000 people. And so you just don't have a whole lot of um, whole lot of people up here. Um, and then the car folks that are up here are more into, they're into American iron, big, big pickups, um, you know, the big American cars. Um, so I have, I actually started a club up here and I'm, Trying to, I'm working on, you know, I've got a few people. Uh, we just had a club meet today. Um, we actually had six cars out there. That was nice. great, you know. And um, and so, you know, it's just it's just a matter of starting over. And, you know, because, yeah, I come from Southern California. If I wanted to, you know, it's like, if I had a nice enough car, I could build, you know, there's a bunch of just strictly Catholic clubs, you know, DKP, DKK, whatever. Up here, you know, trying to find similar style taste is difficult. You know, right now it's just a matter of, I, I wanted to get to know the Volkswagen people, whether they want stock or whatever else. That's, you know, what it was. So we just, you know, so it's just a matter of just creating that group, getting kind of, um, getting to know them. Cause I think that there's a lot of value in having a network of people, you know, to 
share questions. Oh, do you have this part? Do you, you know, oh, you know, you need help. Oh, yeah, I can help you with that. Or, you know, it's just always good to have friends. Yeah, there's, there's for sure, for sure in the, in the Midwest, there's a specific style. And that style is sometimes predicated by the environment between snow, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. you know, ingress, egress to shopping centers that may be a little steep for snow runoff and things like that. You can't really cruise around with some slammed cars. We had a, I had a club way back in the day called uh, Slow and Low. And I had a, a gal, my, my friend Terry was in the club and she was from, uh, I think her car was from North Dakota. And so we had like the North Dakota look, which it was like super clean, 62 ragtop. But it had like, like Baja, like Jackman wheels on it with low profile tires all the way around. But it sat almost stock height. But you know, it had that. It definitely had a, a, the the North Dakota looks. I, I think it might have been South Dakota is where she was from. But yeah, it was uh, for sure that that kind of Midwest look. But um, you know, the good thing is, I think once you create the VW community, and 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 some of us maybe don't realize this, but when you start you know, with a club and getting meetings and things like that together, you know, the more guys that are together, the more people that are together, guys and gals and, and, and people with their Volkswagens, the more their influences start to push one another. And then people get a little more excited and motivated about their car hobby. And then the more people see groups of Volkswagens together, the more people will grab them and put them on the road. So I commend you for what you're doing because you're going to get more Volkswagens on the road by doing that just by having consistent meetings and meetups and hangouts and you guys going to car shows together and even you might you guys go to american car shows together it doesn't matter by doing that you guys will will build a scene over there so and that and that's what we're that's what i'm trying to do i'm trying to just get maybe spark up some people going oh those those are cool i like that you know and them getting into it um i'm always inviting people to come out um to join us you know and by like you said having Having club get-togethers because um, we were on we we met up at a place that's right on uh, the main one of the main streets here in Laramie. So there's a lot of traffic, so a lot of looky loose, you know, and yeah. um, you know, and, and and just and just driving around. I mean, I mean, I you know, with my car, with my bug being in hibernation for the last eleven years, I haven't I haven't driven an air cooled car in that time period. And the other day, I would I drove my bug over to get gas. And I had a gentleman approach me. He's like, "Oh, I had it. I used to have a, you know, a '63 Bug, and you know, he was telling me about it. Oh, my brother had this one. You know, it was he was driving a Buick. You know, but it was like, this is awesome. This, this, I want to hear the stories. I want to know, you know, and and maybe someone, you know, maybe someone our age or maybe someone younger, maybe that'll inspire them to, you know, to get one, and um, you know, and and get into the hobby and." I, I will do what I can to help foster that, um, you know, get them, get them addicted. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's, you just, you know, it's just a matter of just sharing the love. I, I love what I do and um, I love this hobby. And I think you, and you've said a million times, the people are great. Yeah. You know, I, I, I've met <laughs> great people there in California. Then when I come out here and as I'm meeting Volkswagen people out here, they're great too. You know, it, it's, it's just really, you know, and of course, okay, I'm a little biased because I've only ever been involved in Volkswagens. Yeah. And I know some other stuff, but I'm a Volkswagen guy. That It's just, that's that's what I am. I'm a Volkswagen guy. And, um, you yeah. know, and so, yeah, it's just, it's great. I, I hired a, I got a new hire at work and uh, he's, he's um, probably a, a, a late 20s, early 30s uh, 
Asian import guy, and uh, he he works for me. And I saw his car outside. It was like your typical Asian import, like half finished, ground effects, huge white stickers on the window, all that stuff. And I just walked him off and said, "Listen, man, we're gonna have to get you straightened out. I'm gonna have to get you flying right because." I've been into a lot of car scenes. I've been into the import scene. I've been into the Mustang scene. I've been into, you know, the 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 classic Buick car scene. Like I've been into a lot of those. I kind of dipped my toe in a lot of those scenes, and I told him, I said, most of those scenes, there's some strange cats in those scenes. It's just a strange vibe. I said, of all the car scenes I've been into, the VW people seem to be, and I don't know what it is. I don't. I, I, one of these days, I'll get it figured out. But what makes the VW scene? <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. We've got some. We've got some eccentric individuals in the scene. We've got some some different people. But for the most part, you know, a lot of the people that you'll meet through the VW scene are just they're just people that are into the hobby and they're they're into it for the purest form of of mostly you know being a <laughs> excuse me being like a DIY person you know kind kind of a hands on likes to build it themselves. But there's such a huge scale on the VW world from being able just to build a, a bone stocker all the way to, you know, a 10-second drag car. So I think this, the yeah. spectrum of availability of customization is, is what brings is – what, is what has such a diverse culture in there. But also I think, you know, the platform being, you know, from 1 to 10, how crazy do you want to get with it? So I think uh, – yeah. I, I just think – the big thing is the the resourceful DIY kind of guy, per, kind of person that's in it is is what I think makes it so, you know, such a uh, universal thing with people that are that are really capable, you know, for the most uh, part. It, it's well, you know, and, and part of my story was too is is out of out of high school, um, I started a job working at a a Volkswagen parts shop in Redlands, California, called Unique Supply, and I was there for five and a half years, and you know, I helped. I had so many customers that did such a range of interest between Sandrail guys, um, street Baja, like hardcore street legal race Bajas, um, you know, street guys, stock guys. The, it, it's like I was thinking about that. I'm like, you don't see that with with like Mustangs or something, you know? Right. It, it's like Mustangs, it's like, okay, it's going to be street. But here, you know, off-road stuff, like, you have the off-road stuff. You have street stuff. It's there's just tons of ways, tons of creative ways you can do a Volkswagen to express your individuality. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's and you know, and we all have our styles. You know, and I some styles are not my thing, but hey, you know, it. I I get it. I totally get it. You know, and I, I just you know I embrace that and say hey. Cool, you know, we both we both love the car, and you know, the more people we have, the um, like, especially if you like set up here, having that network of people, like, you know, okay, I may not be into that, but you know what? Hey, come on, you know, yeah. I might be able to help you keep yours running or get yours running. You may be able to help me, you know. I I did that with my friends in California all the time. I I would have friends that um, I was back when I was working at Unique is when I started really getting into engine stuff. Um, you know, learning about learning about the inner because I didn't have an understanding before of how really how an internal combustion engine works and the um, how she said the intricacies of the Volkswagen design. And I was so I was learning there. And so I kind of and one of my things I know you've talked about many times in your podcast is like I got the Gene Berg books. Oh, yeah. And 
started going through those and there's two things there's two things that happen when you get the gene burke book you gain a lot of knowledge you annoy all your friends (laughs) yeah because you always start every conversation with like, well, Gene Berg says, and they're like, shut up, man, after 10, you know, after 10 of these. Well, you know, Gene Berg, he says that, uh, it's funny because a lot of people miss the philosophy behind that, right? Gene Berg's whole yeah. philosophy was how to build a performance motor with two to, you know, two to three times the stock performance and have it be reliable, which is what, where I think the reason we both end up in the type four world, right? Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and for me, you know, continue on with my story. So I was working at Unique, and I always and I don't remember the the company, but they, there was a company that advertised in um, these hot videos of video trends or maybe both, and they always they advertised an engine kit to build a Type Four to be like twenty nine hundred three thousand CCs, and it was like, hey, what is what is with what what makes this Type Four able to do that? But I can't with the bug, and so. Um, being up there, I started. So I started looking at parts books. You know, we had all the, you know, the stock replacement part books. We have the the bug pack, the MP catalogs. And I'm going through those, reading those, trying to soak up the information I can. We had a, a small um, VW wrecking yard in the back, and I would go in the back, and we had some Type Fours in there. Actually, some I want to say they may have even been out of like 411, 412s at some point. Um, but I would go through them and I would check them out and you do some, you know, like, oh, okay, I see. And, um, and I got like the, the fat performance catalog, that right. one where I some cool stuff. Um, we had a scat catalog, so I went through the scat stuff and it was like, oh, okay, I'm starting to see this. And, and then, so I was, I was starting to get like a hang, like, okay, I understand that. And then it's like, I was looking at like the cooling conversions because I knew, okay, there's no way you're going to fit a type four with a stock cooling in a bug. You know, I, and I refused to, to hack up a car to do that. Right. Uh, so I was looking at that, you know, and then I had, so I had a customer, a gentleman named Tom Matthews. And I was going to share, I wanted to share this with you because you get a kick out of it. He was, um, he had previously owned a paint and body shop, but he had closed it because California regulations um, with air emissions, just, it made it too cost prohibitive for him to continue on. But he still had, he was still in the Volkswagens and he came in. And one time he was like, yeah, I'm building a drag car. And I was like, oh, cool, you know, and we're talking. And I'm like, oh, so what are you going to use to power it? He's like, well, I've got, I'm, I've traded, he did some horse trading, and he ended up with a built Type 4 engine that he was going to run. I was like, what? And apparently it was, there was a builder, there was an engine builder com- company in San Bernardino, California called Rev Power, yeah. And they did uh, off-road race engines. Well, one of their builders there had done this motor, um, and he had used like he had, they had off he had offset ground the crank to use rabbit journals, and then he used rabbit rods. And one of the guys, one of our one of our mutual friends, I I just when I when you and I were talking about this, I did a little reach out, and he one of the guys was thinking that he used ninety six millimeter pistons, so it made it you know twenty because I think we bumped it up to like seventy. 76 millimeter, mm-hmm. I think. So I think it's 96 by 76. And it was like, what? You know, and apparently he only ever ran it once because by the time I left the job, um, he hadn't, I don't think he had ran it yet. And I had left and, you know, greener pastures type of thing. And, um, and I reached out to my friend and he's like, yeah, he only ran it once. He said, I don't know what he ran it. 
with, but he ended up selling the car without the motor. He probably has the motor sitting in his garage. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was gorgeous, gorgeous car. And the motor was just killer. Um, I wish I had had a chance to see it run. Um, but yeah, and now that was kind of like a, Oh, so you can do these things, you know? Right. Awesome. So yeah, it was kind of, so it was just all kind of that, you know, and just kind of, and then I had, I had gotten some, um, some old parts manuals. Cause one of the things about the, like the 411, 412 is people just don't want them. And so I had come across uh, some dealer parts books of the 411, 412. And I thought, oh, okay. And so I, I just sat there and once again, I studied them. I looked at, I looked at like when, what, what parts changed at what year and, you know, and, and how the part numbers are different and, you know, started doing my research. And when the internet came about, um, when I was going to college, it was like, there just wasn't a whole lot of information about Volkswagens in general. Right. And then as there's some stuff came about and I started seeing like people posting a lot of, a lot of misinformation about type fours. And I was like, okay, no, that's not true. That's not true. And, and so I had put, I had created my first VW website credit was strictly for the 411, 412 cars, because this is going to be kind of weird for you guys. I think the 411, 412 could be an awesome killer custom car. I think it, I think it'd be just awesome, especially a German look one. Well, you ran, Randy Carlson back in the day had a, uh, he had one right. with, with the wood paneling and stuff on it. Yeah. And I can't remember, 411, 412, with the difference is one's the two-door, one's the four-door? No. Or one's a fastback, one's a squareback? Yeah, well, no. The, the 411 was the first generation, and that had the more, the headlights were more up above. They kind of cut into the front hood, whereas the 412 had headlights that were further down, like the Brasilia. And, that, and each of them, was available with a two-door fastback, a four-door fastback, or a two-door wagon. There was three different body styles for either one of them. But it just depends on the year, if it's a 411 or a 412. I think 70, I think 69 to 72, I could be wrong on this, uh, 69 to 72 were the 411s, and then 73, 74 were the 412s. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, you got to have a, a particular... Uh... I mean, you can make any car cool, you know. Like I said, Randy Carlson had the one with the wood paneling on the side and the airbags and stuff way back in the day that was featured in Hot VWs, and that was a pretty cool, pretty mm-hmm. cool look. Um, but I think it's uh, I, I you, know, you really got to be committed to the committed to the cause. I mean, it's a it, it's. And I was thinking like more German, you know, <clears> put a sixteen, you know, Porsche like twist or something on it, uh, built Type Four engine. Um, based on my observations. A Porsche 901 Trans mm-hmm. is about the same length as the 411 manual transmission or 412 manual transmission, and so you could swap it in. Then you have a five-speed um, and just something just different. You know, I've I've always I've always liked different. Yeah. Um, you know, and so 411, yeah. 412. That's different. <laughs> yeah. So I had so I had this website about the 411, 412, and. I met, um, I got an email one time from a gentleman from Denmark and we got to talking about type four engines and a guy, gentleman came from, he's come a friend, um, Rolf Christensen. And he, um, we were talking about all the bad information. In this he's had, he's had a lot of experience building type fours and buddies who build type stuff like that. And I was like, 
well, what about this? You know, and I'm picking his brain. And I was like, he's like, I'm like, oh, so these guys, you know, they're not, they're not saying they're, they're, they're passing on these old myths. And so I was like, you know, we need a website. We can just point people to like, no, read this. And hence type four secrets reveals create was created. Right. Um, he started, I took a bunch of my notes that I had done years before. I took those notes and created tech articles and I would use, um, I would use submissions from the um, the forums back in the day um, to you know he, they would people would give me good information, good ideas. They would um, share photos, um, things that they had done, um, and we would I would put it bring it all together and put it in a web page and put it on the website. And that way, if someone's you know someone says you know something like no that's wrong, here's you know go check out this, read about this, or if they're or if they're just new to it, you know, and they have, um, they, they, they don't, uh, they don't know. And so it's like, well, if you want to educate yourself, go here and start reading. And, you know, it, and that's, and that's how it started. And, you know, and it just kind of took off. I mean, yeah. It was <clears throat> for me, it was one of those sites that I would go to just to, just to re-solidify my desire to put a type four. Cause as soon as you start talking to the ready, the rest of your buddies, <clears throat> they all start like, Oh man, they're too expensive. They're too heavy. They're everybody's got, everybody's got some, some angle on it. And it's the weirdest thing. Cause you don't know why they, they've, everybody's got a bone to pick with the type four. But you know, when I'd made my decision to, to do type four for mine, obviously my first on the bull run bus, I went right with Jake Raby and just was on his website and we just go there and, I just yeah. decided that's it. I'm doing the 2270 and, and, and maybe that's, uh, you know, one of the things, like I said, with this podcast, what I want to do is, is for the guy or gal that's out there listening trying to figure out motor, like what to do. And especially, I think if you're going to build it yourself too, you know, one of the big things that scares people away is machine work, right? So I think with a type four, you know, you can build a two point and that was, you know, the, the resonating philosophy with me all, all the time of the Type 4 was you can build a 2.2 liter VW with 90% German OEM parts. And yeah. it, it, it's it's interesting because everybody has their, well, we're going to go with a counterweight to crank to make sure we get rid of that harmonic balance in balance and, and, you know, for higher revving motors and all this kind of stuff. But if you're going to do a Type 4, I was just thinking about this the other day. I was having a conversation with someone and and I, we were talking about you know building type four, and I've got a nine fourteen two liter that that I'm going to rebuild for my type my next type thirty four Gia project, and I want to you know uh, you know like a twenty two a simple twenty two seventy you know a nice motor like that. But the, the reality is, and I who knows I may take I may take the opportunity to take my hand at building my own type four motor, um, just because everything that I want to do to it I can just place a parts order refurbish mm -hmm. everything else, put it back together because I'm not going to be revving this motor to 6,500, 7,000 RPM. It's going it, to, I mean, there, when you're yeah. used to driving one, you know, you've got that, it's got that big block torque. So you don't, it's not a hot top end rev motor. And if you want top end, you just have to get a fifth gear and, and not that you can't do it with a fourth gear. Cause you could put a super tall fourth and with that big torquey motor, you've got enough. I mean, yeah. in, my, in my carbon cab, I've got a huge step down to fourth gear. <laughs> And my fourth gear was calc to, to run at 75 mile an hour at 3,200 RPM. Yeah. And you're not pushing that bus with anything other than a type four, you know, cause you're, you just don't have the torque to do it. So let's get into, 
Um, if you're ready, let's get into some of the some of the basics on a type four. Some of the things that uh, maybe the, the novice individual that's listening says, okay, type four. You know, what are they talking about? You know, you know, you know type four originally started out, and, and one of the things that I also use to substantiate my position of going to type four is that is the engine design that the VW engineers designed all the flaws from the type one out of when they built the type four. Exactly. So the, the engine itself started, um, was first introduced in 1969 with the 411, the 411, um, which was never sold in the United States. That, that's a, uh, a, a European market only car. Uh, but it started with, uh, in 69, with the 1.7. In 70, they um, added it to the, when they introduced the 914, the four cylinder 914s used to type four. Uh, and then in 72, the bus line got the type four motor. And then in 76, the one year only Porsche 912 E got um, a type four. So there's actually been four different models of car of, of cars between Porsche and Volkswagen that have had the type four motor. Um, obviously here, at least here in the United States, the most common one you're gonna find is the ones out of the bus. Uh, just because we got so many more buses than we did, you know, 411s, 412s, and even 914s would be right behind there too. Yeah, I think um, be, you know, I run into tons and tons of 914 stuff out here in, in Vegas. And usually, as much as 914 guys think they're VW guys, I think they're Porsche guys, they're actually VW guys. But we had Matt, <laughs> we had Matt from uh, 914 Rubber on here. And where I say that, you know, the 914 guys get to kind of hang out with the Porsche guys a little bit because now the 914s are starting to push in value. But the way that the 914 guy is the same as the Porsche guy or is the same as the VW guy, you never run across a 914 guy that's just got one 914. Especially if he's a – I mean, you have the store-bought guy, the guy that has the $35,000 turnkey 914, <laughs> and then you have the average 914 guy who's got two of them you know, for parts and all kind of stuff like that, because they're just like a VW guy. And usually most VW guys don't just have one, you know, so. It's, you know, it, it's like anything. Um, you know, there's, I know, you know, uh, we had, well, we had one nine fourteen at my club meet today. Um, real cool guy, you know, and he's, he's, I mean, he said, he said he's, he's not a mechanic, but you know, he, he can do his stuff and he's working he's learning. Um, you know, and I told him, I was like, Hey, you know, in Europe, they were sold under the VW Porsche badge. Right. They were sold both. They weren't just a Porsche. And so for me, yeah, I consider I welcome them. You know, I I definitely love to see them out there. Oh yeah. Um, I'm a fan of them. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, so yeah, it, it's a they're they're a really cool car. I really like them. I can't fit in them personally. Uh, I'm my torso is too tall. Um, my, my 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 eyes are seen above the window frame of a 914. Yeah. But they are a very cool car. Yeah, and I know with the right power, I know they've upset more than one nine eleven owner. Hey, listen, I, I've had, I had a nine nine six that I'd take to the track out here, and I there was a guy out the track, and he had a one point eight liter nine fourteen, and it was it was kind of a you know it wasn't decked out, but this dude just took it. It was his track car, and it was right. man, this guy I would just leave this dude on the straights, man, and then every time I'm in the twist, he's in the corners, man. This guy's on my bumper, man, and I'm just. <laughs> I was I was pretty surprised by it. So our track times were I mean there might have been a few seconds difference, but the reality is I think you know that guy just floorboarded that thing all the way through all the all the turns and everything where I'm coming in too hot and slowing it down, but they're 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 surprisingly agile especially in a track 
well, you know, you situation. Well, you is less is less than 100 horsepower. Yeah. You know, because I know the 2.0914s were 100 horsepower. So for he had under 100 horsepower, you know, and he's on your tail the whole time. Only, only in the only in the corners. When I get the straights, man, I put plenty of distance between us. But as I slow down in the corners, you know, I think his, you know, he just never lets off the gas, and that guy just <laughs> rips it through the turns. And I was, I was surprised how close he could get to me. And then oh, I'd hit the straights, and we'd get some distance. But you know, there, uh, it was a really well, it was a really well built car for the replacement of the affordable Porsche. And it also, it came in time, the 914 came in time to replace the Carmen Ghia as well. So it kind of, that, that's where, that's where it bridged the gap. You know, it was the, it was the sports car Volkswagen and it was the affordable Porsche, which is in some details, also the reason why the 912 E came out because that was the end of the 914. They had a gap year there between, uh, between that and the 924 coming out. And so that's where the 912E comes in. It, 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 they had this special one year where they just did, they had an affordable Porsche that they always had because it always had the 912. And, you know, so, and then now, I mean, 15 years ago, you couldn't give away a 912E. And uh, yeah. now there's a guy who's got to use one. He's a little heavy on the price asking uh, $30,000 for a uh, kind of a survivor-ish type thing. Oh, but, okay. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, he's he's asking a ton for it, and um, you know, but they've gone up, and it was it was really? it was the one that was never really uh, never really accepted by the by the Porsche guys. But I digress. We're talking about Type Fours, and that has a two liter Type Four motor in it, you know. And right. I think you know um, that one's also not pushing. I think it's a ninety horsepower, ninety five horsepower in that car, but. Right. But yeah, so the nine four the, the the type four motor. Now we've got where you can find them, what they come out of. Obviously, you get one. The, the other the other benefit for the do it yourself, in my opinion, from the from the in the very beginning, is they're really inexpensive to buy the cores. A lot of people just they're there, they're boat anchors. They don't want anything to do with them. And I've picked <laughs> up nine four. I've picked up not not nine fourteen, but type four motors. Um, just core motors for 20, 25 bucks for a complete head to head motor, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. You no, know, I, I picked up a, was a bus chewer back in the day from, um, Pomona for like a hundred bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, I, I don't know what the, you know, the condition of the motor was and it was like, but it's like, okay, here's a core, you know, it's case looked okay. The heads, you know, heads, who knows? So um, now starting yeah. with some of the reasons that in, in, our opinion, they trump the type one, uh, you okay. know, stock to stock. I actually have a web page on my site. On my, I have a page on my website that actually talks about that. It's called Why a Type Four Engine. Um, so, so the big, so the first one, there you go. Um, the reliability of the factor, you know, the engine, it's um, as I say here, it's got a conventional spin-on oil filter. We're not relying on just the oil screen in the pickup. We actually have a full-on you know, spin on filter on the type four. Um, it has a larger oil cooler, larger oil pump. All the cases are dual relief cases. It has a seal at the end of the crankshaft where the, where on a stock type four would be the cooling fan. But when you put a pulley on it for upright, it has a, what we, what we, what is traditionally called a sand seal. Um, <clears throat> larger flywheel, the flywheels on a type four going anywhere from 200 millimeter on up to 228 millimeter. 
Um, so what else here? It has a five volt mounting, so it's a little stronger setup than the one big gland nut with four smaller dowel pins. Um, and it has one liter more oil than the Type 1 does. Uh, the crankcase is also an aluminum, aluminum alloy versus, you know, because now, I mean, that, that's kind of, I kind of got to check out, like, when the, the Type 4 was like, oh, yeah, we're running aluminum. I'm like, yeah, you could have just used a Type 4 because um, the Type 4 is aluminum from the factory. And you look at the, the performance Type 1 motors, and that's what they do. They went to a solid aluminum yeah. case to give it a heavier-duty bottom end, which is which well, was – the Achilles heel for the, the, the Type 1 was, that's why Gene Berg always said, if you're going to rebuild a VW motor, you need a brand new case because the cases are not rebuildable from the factory. Everybody came out with the line bore tool, which we found out in our episode with Joe Horvath. He was critical in the involvement of building the line bore tool um, when he was doing RevMaster. But, you know, line boring that case and, and, and Berg's philosophy was always, why take a case that's had that's been run so hard the center main's been pounded out around and try right. to get another 100,000 miles out of it. Just get a new case. Back then, they were quite a bit more affordable. Where, where the, now yeah, you can't so, find them. Yeah, because the aluminum that the aluminum alloy, the magnesium alloy, that Type 1 is just doesn't put up with the pounding as well as an aluminum case. And that's what you have in a Type 4. You have It's a beefier. You see the 411. You see the Type 4 main bearings are used for the hot Type 1s. Right. It's just, it's just, it's just bigger, and that's why I, I like the analogy of the big block. It's a big block engine, um, and things are just they're huge, and you know, so it's just a. I think as a foundation, um, and for me, and I'll, you know, and I'll admit my bias is street engines. I'm not, I'm not a drag racer. I, I you know, it's like I love watching drag racing and I love seeing what those guys can do, but I don't want to be doing it. Um, my, my thing, I've always said that my thing is, is I want to be able to walk out in the morning and go, which car do I want to take to work today? Do I want to take the bug? Do I want to take the imp? You know, what do I want to take? And that's what I want to be able to do. I want to be able just to get in, turn it, you know, fire it up and pull out and go to work. I don't want to have to deal with having to take it to the trade, you know, take trailer it out to the drag strip, run it for the day, take it back, take the engine out. You re- no, it's like. I, I want more more miles for my for my buck, and I want to be able to get well, what more? What do I say? More smiles per miles, and um, so I'm a street guy, and that's what I look at it as. And, and for the Type Four, I think I think it's a great a great uh, value because you get a big beefy engine that'll last forever, give you a lot of power, especially lower end power. So you don't have to wind that thing out. You can just just give it gas and just go. Right. Uh, so you know, and that's that's always been my my how I have addressed it is doing that. Um, and I, yeah, I love it. You know, and so that's how I've always come to it. So yeah, and, you know, and I know there's there's always people that are I've heard of you a million times like oh I can make more power with a Type One for cheaper and it's like fine then do it. You know yeah. I, sit here and i'm not going to argue with you about about that you know i i tend i like i've looked at both i've analyzed both and for what i want i don't want to type four and i won't put that in my bug you know so we go to the all the benefits are you know the the heads have more cooling fins you've got 
you know, the heavy duty aluminum case, uh, which it does weigh more. Uh, everything is just bigger in displacement. Henceforth, the, the term big block. Um, right. You know, the the independent independent part runners. Everybody complains. the The high performance drag race guys complain about the porting for the exhaust exhaust port, but. I think our focus on this is that if you're looking for something to rebuild, if you're trying to figure out the answer to the question of a guy who wants to build a 2.2 liter for under five grand and do it himself, a type four is, in my opinion, a type four is the only way to go. Because if you bought, um, if you went and bought, if you had a 1600 and you wanted to build a 2.2 liter, then starts down the rabbit hole between machine work, new parts, crankcase, like all that stuff yeah. versus if yeah. you've got, you know, uh, a 1.8 stock type four, you send the head, you ship the heads out, have the heads redone. Let's say it costs you a grand to have the heads done, right? Everything else you're going to use. I've done that real well, but yeah. Yeah, you're going to get, you're going to get bearings. You're going to order a camshaft um, for the most part. 90% of everything else you can retain for building a street engine. Now, so you have you go through and refurbish a bunch of that stuff, you know, and get all these parts and pieces put together and now you're going to go to your next which is going to be probably your biggest challenge. Your biggest challenge originally is going to be your cooling system, your upright cooling system. Now, from the pancake standpoint, type 3 people Type three oh. people should really be eating up the type fours because they go right into a type four. They're already pancake. You have the four eleven, the four eleven, four twelve adapter that bolts right to the bellow that let, lets you use the uh, the factory bellow air intake. Um, that's just in in my opinion, that's the way to go from a type four standpoint or for, in a type three. And I have a type three, and I'm sitting here with my brother. We're we're talking literally yesterday in my garage, and I've got the red chop top, and I said. I've, I want to put that Berg 1800 in that chop top because it makes it more period correct and it's more, it kind of, it kind of rounds out that car a hundred percent. Yeah. I remember that magazine article, you know, <laughs> and I have the 2332 that's, that's in that car. And I thought, you know, 2332 it's running, it's done. I could just strip it down and swap out the tins and make it a pancake. It's a universal case, pancake it and put it in my type three and then I'm sitting here just thinking, as we're talking, I'm sitting here thinking, why didn't I just build a type a, a type four pancake motor, which I've got several cores. I can just pull them apart, send the tins out to be powder coated, blow the motor apart, and and just build a 2.2 liter type four torque monster that just sits in the back of that type three, which would just be super slick. So who knows, man? I'm I'm all over the place, and my <laughs> my and it doesn't stop. You know, I, I, this week I'm going to pick up another car for me and uh and it's geez, i got so much going on but you know the type four for the for the well, for type three transition yeah yeah I, I have a request if you do do another type four conversion into a type three if i would i would like to if you could give me some photos of what the things you do yeah because i have a tech article i'm putting a type four in a type three but i want photos of that conversion yeah so if you do it it would be great if you could share some photos. Yeah, no uh, question. That's easy. That's easy. What well, you know, the big thing for me is building. I've got a brand new twenty two seventy long block sitting here in my garage that's been sitting here for six seven years, and I, I'm kind of spoiled by the extra stuff that I've had for runoff of other cars. 
And yet I don't want to put that motor in because the guy that built it just basically assembled it. hasn't been balanced or any of that kind of stuff. So it's like my brother refuses to like, he's like, you're not putting that in a car. It needs to be torn apart and actually balanced and blah, blah, blah. Cause I know you bill and you're going to get out there and just wring its neck. And, but the, mm-hmm. the type for, you know, it's funny as, as we're having this conversation here, I've got a bug me video out in my garage in the case that's never been open. And it's how to tear down and rebuild your type four. And uh, I, I may just, <laughs> I may, I may take it upon myself to break that thing out and do it. Cause I've got a type four, I've got two type four core motors here that I'd like to go through and, uh, and, and, and maybe prep a motor out just for the type three. Cause there's a, there's something coming up in October and we'll see how quickly I can get that done. I, I might have to pull some, pull some strings and get some favors, but back to what we're talking about. If you do that, please take photos. Oh, we will. My way. Cause I would love I would love to illustrate in photos what I'm talking about. You know, the, the adapter for the fan uh, right. to the body, the, the, the low, prof, low profile intake manifolds and air cleaners. So it clears the exhaust, you know, all that stuff. That, I would love to have photos. So if you do that, I would I would totally be great if you could send me those photos. Yeah, to we'll do. We'll do. So okay. we're, cool. we're talking about <clears throat> cooling system. So, there's yeah. several cooling systems that have been out on the market, and we obviously know that Jake Raby has a, a, a huge passion for uh, going through the cooling, the, the different cooling setups uh, right. to, to yeah. the point where he did a, he did a blowout year of oh, so uh, about 2000 ish or so. He did a like a total, you know, he did his own tests and he would run like a couple different 911 fan conversion tests and he did the DTM and. He did some others, and it was interesting at that time. He would call me every night, and he would share his numbers. And he was, and he, and it really, what really impressed me was how well the DTM did. Um, it had it had the best distribution of the cooling air across the engine. Um, and so, I've always, and the guy who actually created the DTM, a guy named Joe Lucero, um, Joe he was a great guy and he, he knew his stuff. Jake bought the business from Joe before Joe passed away and there's just refined it even more. And so I'm a big fan of the type of the DTM. Um, it's not the most. No, it's, people, no, it's like, ugly. Aesthetically pleasing. It's, uh, it's ugly, bro. There's no, there's, there's no way to church that up. Dude. Like it yeah. is, it works great. And it's one of those form over function things. And yeah. I have one. I have one brand new sitting in my <laughs> I told you. I've got runoffs of everything. I've got a, I think it's 1,200 and something is the kit number because they're all serial numbered. And right. that's the that's the challenge with them is just they're, they're, um, they're tough on the eyes. They're not aesthetically pleasing. But the reality is when you're looking at, you know, we're so used to trying to get everything really pretty looking. But as far as, you know, performance and cooling and whatnot, they are the, the best thing that's been out there, according to Jake's documented information, which I wouldn't, I, you know, I, I would take him at his word that uh, that he's done the testing because originally when I bought my 2270 that's in my first bus, that particular engine that's in there has a sharp built setup. So, right. and the sharp built setup, I, I want to say it cost me, um, it probably cost me close to two grand for the sharp built setup. And then, I have, I've had, I've really had every setup. I've had the type four, the, I had the setup that came, um, with the carbon cab came with the military motor that was in it. So it had the, it had the, um, fat performance, really tall, 
shroud yeah. off-road setup that was in it that I had to <clears throat> make some modifications inside of my crew cab to put that in. And then after that, I had my motor out of my bull run bus for something. I can't recall what it was. And I pulled the fan shroud out, talking to some friends out here in the off-road world. They connected me with a fiberglass guy, and I had molds made for the sharp-built fan setup. So I have an entire set of molds made, and I made two or three fan shrouds um, out of the uh, – off of my sharp built setup. So I have I have those. I like those. I like the look of it. The the years I've been driving it, I've really had no issues with it. Um and so I also have the DTM. So I've got the DTM, I've got the fat performance setup, I've got the sharp built setup, and I've run one pancake setup. And unfortunately that what happened with my pancake setup is the motor was super nice and detailed in the nine in the type thirty four Gia. And one of the flaps on the three four side wasn't connected properly, and it was closed. So the left Ooh. the left side of the motor got really hot, and it did what they called squared the pistons, and it scored it scored two sides of those uh, the pistons that were in that, and the, and they were Nickies too, so they weren't the inexpensive. And so those of you guys who don't know what Nickies are, those are the nickel plated cylinders uh, that are unbelievably expensive. But Nicosil is the same plating that Porsche puts on the cylinders to help the, the cooling efficiency in the cast iron cylinder. So, yeah, there's uh, there's lots of levels that you can go. Just like with the Type 1, there's a million different levels you can go. But we're, we're bringing this back to, like, the average guy who's in Laramie, Wyoming, that has access <laughs> to a Type 4 and wants to build a nice street cruiser. So the, the biggest hurdle you're going to get is going to be that, that cooling setup as far as cost-wise. But I think you can fab one your your own dtm kind of on your own can't you i mean i think they got the there, yeah, i was gonna say the one that i don't hear you mentioning is a um it was actually plans it was never sold but you could buy the plans uh, by a gentleman named joe Kelly. i don't know if you remember joe uh, joe Kelly had these plans where you could take engine 10 from a type 4 or engine 10 from a type 1 engine and he showed you where you cut everything to make the head cylinder tin and then put the type one shroud on top, how to, how to cut and make all the generator stand, alternator stand. Um, he had the whole, like how to do this upright conversion with a Joe, with Joe Kelly's. Right. Um, really a great, great guy. Yeah. That's, you know, I see you sent the book up. Yeah. yeah. Joe Kelly's awesome guy. Um, in fact, he, well, he, he's one of those you were talking about, I think, on the last episode I just heard about how people like if you're in the hobby and you're doing something like people will just send you stuff just to help out. Right. And Joe was one of those. I was like, hey, Joe, how much, you know, how much is your price for your book? And he's like, for you, nothing. He says, give me your address. I'll send it to you. I'm like, are you sure? He's like, oh, yeah. He's you helped me with a million things. He says, so here, I'm going to give you the book. And he uh, he sent me the book and it. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. Now that is a conversion that, as and Joe was first to point out, he only ever used it on like a stock engine, um, and so he uh, it's not best for um, uh, performance for motors. Big, yeah, for a big motor, you know, if you're if you're talking like a mild, like a two liter, um, you know, with a mild cam, just something like if someone takes. A basically stock long block does the Cali conversion on it and um, 
puts a you know good exhaust, you know, a couple of dual carbs on it, it would work great. Uh, but it's when you get the big engines that you have, you know, you're going to need more for it. Yeah, and I and I think you know back to talking about the VW people, you know, it's it, that's really uh, it, it's a circumstance of being resourceful and like this guy Joe Cali busts out his you know his setup for for his motor and you know figures out how to merge the two together a little bit of tack welding a little bit of you know a little bit of fat garage fabbing here and there so yeah there's definitely uh there's definitely a few different ways to go but you know you can determine enough and if you call me and uh and make it worth my while i'll pop out a <laughs> i'll pop out a sharp built repro uh but there yeah. but you know the the, the challenge with the sharp built repro is all I did was the fiberglass stuff. You still have to make a pulley, and you have to make your bracket and some stuff like that. But just the fans alone, recently the fans, the 911 fan setups have gone to upwards of a thousand bucks, man. You know? Yeah, it's it's crazy. Oh, I mean, I think just car prices in general for our hobby, whether it's Volkswagen or Porsche or Ford or whatever, I think they're just all going up in, in price. Um, right. It's not as cheap as it once was, or at least relative, you know. And so, you All know, right. so yeah, someone wants to do it. I mean, Cali's that's one option. Yeah, so that's that's the most affordable yeah. option for the for the DIYer. Yeah, my guy who's maybe got a little bit of um, fabrication experience. You know, if you if you got where you can cut it and you can weld it and stuff like that. It's an option for a mild motor, you know, someone who's like, okay, I have a good running long block here. I can do this conversion, put all the other bits on it and, you know, have a nice little street engine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now going on to, so we talked about your possible biggest hurdle is going to be your cooling setup, but it can be made as, as difficult or as easy as you want it. So, um, right. let's talk about the next, the, the next step. So the next step you've got. We've talked about the basics. Now let's talk about some of the maybe well, some some of the some of the things that that you'll get. So when you're building a motor, you're going to try to figure out what cam to run. Right now, how now let's talk about cam and cam and induction and all that kind of stuff for Type Four. So the manifolds are relatively they're easy to source. Um, CB right. Performance has them. CSP has a ton of stuff. You know, all the all the companies that are out of Europe, they all have plenty of uh, plenty of type type four modification stuff. Uh, right. What's your take on cam cam and induction and all that kind of stuff? Well, with cam, I would. Well, first off, I mean it's it's like anything. You know, it's like you can't be. I don't want to overgeneralize it. Um, it depends on what you're going to do with it. Um, you know, you're talking a bus. Well, I don't want to go as crazy with the cam, you know, as much as the duration or whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I, my basic thing is, is don't go overly crazy with the camshaft, you know, too much duration that just moves the RPM band up high, which that's not the forte of the type four, the type four, as you, you know, as we talked about, it's down low. It likes it just wants to go offline. So, you know, like um I think like you know, Scat had one, they they use similar numbers for the type four and the type one. Like they had one, the C thirty five, which is like for the type one guys like equivalent to like a one ten. Right. I think that would that area would be good um for um for a type four. 
you know, for, for your average street guy. Um, and the thing is, you have to also, they have to look at, um, you have to remember too, type fours have 1.3 to 1 ratio rockers, whereas your stock type ones are 1.1s. So you actually get more lift. Um, so just if you're comparing cams, if you're trying to look at the two, just realize you have essentially, you have a high, you do, you have a higher ratio rocker on a type four compared to a type one. Um, unless you go, obviously you go aftermarket on the type one, but, right. um, out of a box type one, type fours have a, have a 1.3. So they said when you're comparing cams like that, so, you know, I would say, I mean, I'm not the expert at this, but I would look at yeah, like that 285 duration, you know, the selling duration, they call it. Um, but there's a lot of people out there that, you know, have more experience with camshaft selection than I would. Well, um, and, because- and. And I think the as far as like push rod tubes are quite heavy duty. The push rods, uh, or the the push rods are heavy duty. The push rod tubes, the OEM push rod tubes seal a little bit better than the Type One, which is, you know, they 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 seal yeah. a bit better. So it's another it's another improvement over the original Type One design. And you can put uh, new, you can put new push rod tubes in and out of the car without pulling the motor out or doing the. Uh, Having to get the adjustable yeah. ones. <clears throat> if you have a tube that's leaking, like literally on a Type 4, you just pull the rocker arms off, you belt cover, rocker arms, and you should have the wire thing that holds them in there. Pull that off, and the push-out tube slide right out. You know, then just clean up the, the area. Because the push-out the push tube in a Type 4 is designed, so as the engine grows, it's designed, that tube is designed to ride inside of that area. So you have to make sure that's a, really smooth area inside the, the push rod tube hole on the case and on the head. Um, and that's where sometimes they you get like a little nick in it, and as the tube slides a little, it can nick it, and that's where you get a leak. So you have to make sure it's smooth. But, it's yeah, it's it's real easy. You don't have to pull the head, and you don't have to use, you know, like those adjustable push rod tubes that you buy from, you know, from the Type 1. Right. You can actually OE um, push rod tube. Um, and yeah, and the push rods, like the, 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 the type four push rod is like a really, it's actually huge compared to a type one, Yeah, huge aluminum one. Um, but if you start, if you start running, you know, you know, a little bit more, if you're running more, you know, a little more RPM, you got bigger cam in it, then, you know, I go to chromoly. Um, it's just a stronger setup, but the type four has a big push rod too. Um, so, you know, and the lifters slide right out. Once you get that push rod tube out and you get the push rod out, that, that lifter pulls right out. There's nothing holding it in place when you're at that point. Yeah. So it is possible to replace a lifter without stripping the whole motor down. Well, you also have the option as well to do factory type four hydraulic lifters if you wanted to do hydraulic lifters as well. Yes. You know, so based on, based on your design or what your, what your plan is, you know, there's, there's the option for hydraulic lifters as well. So, I mean, the, 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 the features and benefits, in my opinion, continue to keep ramping up to where, especially when we're gearing this back down to like the DIYer, uh, you know, if a, if a guy, worst case scenario, 
pulls a Type 4 motor out of a wrecking yard, blows it all apart. Usually the bottom end is is pretty solid. I mean, even when I talked to Jake, I said, how many cases do you go through before you throw one? I said, one in 100 cases I'll throw out. Like, it's been run that hard. I mean, most, <laughs> of, the, most of the things that kill those motors are, are valve seats dropped, things to that extent. And, and I think most of it is because as technology improved in cars, people would have a tendency to just lug these motors and these buses, run these heads super hot, and valve seats would just drop oh. out. There's a couple. There's a couple different things um, with that in that respect. The type, if you get an, a motor from a 914, it's most likely gonna. If if you're gonna have damage, it's because a lot of times because of over revving. Um, it's a Porsche. They like to rev them, and you know, which I get. It. Um, the 411, 412 motors tend to be pretty good. They were only 1.7 or 1.8. Um, the bus engine. One of the big things I noticed with bus engines. Um, Number one, there's a lot of weight being pushed around. Number two, I, I've seen it too many times where bus, especially people who are not, shall we say, Volkswagen people, um, they drive a bus engine like they would their Ford Econoline, and they want it to turn, they want to be on the highway doing 1,200 RPMs. And, you know, you, you get that low of RPM on an air-cooled motor, yeah, the heat builds up, and that's going to shorten the life of the motor. You know, they need to understand, no, you need to, you know, let let it breathe. You know, get it, get the engine speed up. It's fine. It'll do, you know, it'll be just fine. Um, so that's, that's what I see. That's what I see a lot of is just, you know, they're just overheating them just because they, they, they're not driving the way the engine needs to be driven. Right. Uh, so, and that's why I tell people, you have to look at both what, what the engine came out of, you know, the history of the engine, you know, and then what are you going to do? What are you going to do with it? You know, what car are you going to put this in? You know? Yeah, I think that, you know, with with the the baseline motor being so stout as far as torque and those types of specs, you know, mm -hmm. there, it, it's going to be a definite benefit to anything you have. Now, as far as um, <clears throat> getting these conversions going, I think, you know, the, the big thing, a guy in his own shop could long block a motor with some basic tools if he's got a honing wheel, if the stuff that he's working with, if he's, if he's going to be keeping some things. I mean, really, <clears throat> if you send these things out, if you're going to use what you need to use on it, if your heads are salvageable, send the heads out and have the heads done. If you're going to buy, if you're going to buy heads, cam, and cylinders, you pretty much got your done deal right there. Everything else I think is pretty much reusable if it's not destroyed, which will keep your cost down in, on building an engine. Um, I know that main bearings at some point were an issue. I don't know what the main bearing situation is right yeah. now, but yeah, I, I don't know that. I don't know about that. I've heard, I've heard there have been supply issues. I don't know what the status is at the moment. And I think that I, I know that CB was coming out with their own line of bearings, um, because they've just been having their own challenge with that. But I think that, I think the bearing, I think the bearing issue has been, uh, kind of put to bed, but you know, all in all, I think that the type four conversion for the average guy who's, Maybe not in Southern California and doesn't have easy access to machine shops and all that kind of stuff. I think I think the Type Four conversion really would save a lot of people a lot of time in respect to, you know, you want a two point two liter motor with really real solid reliability. You know, do you need to do you need to do a counterweight to crankshaft? No, you could get away with a stock crankshaft. You could use the stock connecting rods. There's a lot of stuff that you can use. That's that's rebuildable easily rebuildable on the type four if you get it if you get a decent core and in my in my opinion 
you know, eight out of 10 times, you're going to pull a, a rebuildable core motor if it wasn't left out in the rain and all that kind of stuff. It was something like, yeah, that motor died. It's usually probably going to be a head issue on it. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they ran it out of oil. But, you know, for the most part, I think, you know, dollar for value, especially if you're a type three guy, man, if you're a type three guy and you found yourself a little pancake type four, I mean, that's going to be the easiest swap for you for a big block. So, uh, I think, uh, you know, I'd like to see a few more people getting into them. I I know there's a lot of people getting into them. And right now what I've just recently seen, there was a, there was a guy that just built a super sick notch out of the Oregon area, which I'm trying to get him on the podcast as well. And his original plan was he was building, you know, I think it was a 2054, uh, type four motor that was in his that, that was in his motor build and then he just jumped from there right to Subaru which is like 10,000 light years ahead but right. it also comes everything comes with its own set of issues you know it comes with the water cooling the EFI the you know the the compact I mean making that decision and that's and these are two different worlds we're talking about you know we're talking one goes from how does a guy do it all himself in his garage? And this particular guy did everything himself in his garage. But for the average guy, as soon as they see that, you know, 300 wire, you know, brain harness, and they're just going to throw in the towel and, uh, and give up. So as far as ease of conversion, I think the type four, the easiest conversion you could do is type four pancake to pancake and a type three would probably be the easiest conversion you could do to get yourself a 2.2 liter, a motor that would run reliably in your, uh, you know, your type three. And the more I keep selling this, the more I'm selling it to myself where I'm thinking, man, I need a, I just need a type, I just need a type four, a nice type four pancake in my type three so I can prove those points because people get really surprised when my bus is out on the street and some guy's there in his bug with a 2.2 liter with a hot cam in or something like that. And he can't get away from my big bus, which weighs quite a bit more than his. And uh, especially when we're on the highway, because I've got my my stuff geared up so high that, I mean, that bus is that bus is a is a high speed cruiser. So um, I think it'd be even more cool to do the same thing in the square back, you know, my square back that I have. So that's right. that, that may be the direction that we're going to go. So I don't know. I, I have too many. I have too many options, and I've just got to <laughs> I've got to pick a lane and go with it. So. And that's that's the downside of being in the Volkswagen industry, you know. Oh yeah, we've all got options, <laughs> and we all become fine parts collectors. But I, I mean, I think we yeah. covered. I think we covered a pretty good a pretty good amount of stuff. Now, as far as resources to get some information, let's let's review a couple resources. I mean, there's obviously obviously your website, which would give them some a general overview. Would be your website gives them a general overview, which is type4secrets.com. Uh, yes check that one out for your basic run-up as to what you do from there. And then second from there, uh, you've got uh, Rabies site, which is, what is it, type, the Type 4 store or? Uh, no, no, Jake, Jake, Jake does not own the uh, Type 4 store anymore. He sold that business off. He does. He's very clear, he's very adamant now. He does not sell parts. All he sells is complete engines. Okay. Uh, so he's, you know, that's, what Jake does, you know, and, um, yeah, he, he actually has a, um, a group on Facebook. I'm trying to find the name of it here. Um, the fourth dimension type four Porsche VW performance group. It's a Facebook group and it's just about the type four. It's one Jake hosts and, um, I'm, I'm on there. I'm a moderator on there. Um, so I help out when I can. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, 
we have some really good people. I think one of um, one of your former uh, guests on your on your podcast is because they're um, the Andre. Oh, Tabari, yeah, Tabari Andrade, yeah, yeah, he's on yeah. there. He's on there. He's a regular on there. Does some amazing things. Um, and so yeah, so we have, you know, there, there's there's a lot of information out there, and it, it's my website, and it was created that way. Was created it's like, okay, I I understand how a type one works. What makes a type four? And that's where you go there. You you learn. You can understand the differences. Cause someone kind of the some of the concepts I learned from from Gene Berg's articles, I applied to there, um, and you know stuff like that, and it gets you a good start. And you go, oh, okay, now I know. I don't necessarily need to have, you know, a, a Porsche 914 2.0 engine to do a conversion. I can actually start with a a, a more inexpensive 1.8 and go from there, um, you know, and stuff like that. And the one thing I did want to make sure we talked about was. On doing the, if you're doing a conversion into a Type Three, Type One, um, early Type Two, flywheels. Flywheels, you have to make sure that you have a a 200, a 210, or a 215 millimeter Type Four Volkswagen flywheel. The Porsche flywheels do, are offset differently, and they will not work in a, a bug bell housing. Uh, the later model buses have a 228, which and work, but they take a lot of clearancing to fit in the bell housing. Um, so that's one of those things. Um, you can, last I, friend, this was years ago, but I know Kennedy actually sold a 200 millimeter conversion. So then a 200 millimeter, you could use whatever pressure plate and disc you want. Um, and the big, and I outlined on my website of how. If you use a stock Type 4 flywheel, a 210 or 215 from a bus or a 411, 412, if you use one of those, you have to move the pilot bearing from inside the crankshaft to the center of the flywheel to support, so you can support that input shaft. Um, that's, that's something that needs to, you know, but once again, I mentioned that in my website um, in a couple different places I talk about that. Uh, that's something that needs to be need you need to make sure and that's one of the the those areas that you do need to you know you if you don't have the facilities like I wouldn't have the facilities here but that's where you could have someone a machine shop do it for you they just ring the center of it a little and then press in that bearing and you're done yeah uh, well there's yeah, a and and that's the thing I mean I think that the the point is as far as an overview which was the purpose of this podcast to do an overview on the type four conversion. Um, gets everybody at least an idea of what really are, are some of the big things. One of the things we did not talk about is exhaust systems. I know that uh, I know that there's several exhaust systems out on the market now. Uh, when I did my first conversion, um, I I did a um, Onendorp exhaust system, stainless steel system out of Germany. Uh, right. I know CSP makes a couple different optional exhausts, and now with Vintage Speed, Vintage Speed's got a bunch of Type Four exhaust setup. So Back when I was when when I did my first one, it was kind of it, it was like okay, well, what which of the two exhaust systems am I using? And then you have yeah. the op you have you do have the option of the what I did with the Type Thirty Four Gear, which was find the most expensive exhaust and then triple that number and then go to Tangerine Racing and get you a custom built yeah. exhaust by those guys. Now. All things being equal, the exhaust system was a really high quality exhaust system built for that car. It fit the car perfectly, and 
it was built off of dimensions and not the car. So um, it was, I was thoroughly impressed with the exhaust system. Uh, now, mind you, the exhaust system, when I purchased it, and this is we're going back 10, 11 years ago from Tangerine Racing, I think it was uh, $2,600 was the exhaust. So um, that that's not what we're talking about on this podcast. We're talking about affordable, inexpensive stuff. And, and the reality is you can find short headers for the 914, build your own can. And I mean, you can get as inexpensive and effective as you want with the DIY stuff. So there's lots of lots of different roads to take, but everything is pretty much workable, especially for the DIY guy. Like if you're really handy and most VW people start out with it with an inclination to be handy. And before you know it, after their experience of buying VWs and building things, they own welders, grinders, and all kinds of stuff because they are a resourceful bunch of individuals. So, oh yeah, definitely. But I think we, I think we pretty much covered most of the basics. Um, based on the feedback we get from this podcast, we may do a follow up and and get maybe some sure. more in depth stuff in respect to uh, some of the stuff required for the conversion. And so now, if people want to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? Um, well, you can hit any of my social media at the VW Geek. Dot com. Okay. You and it has, yeah, I have a social media, there's a social media page with all the links. Um, I have a uh, Facebook page for my bug that will eventually have a type four in it. I'm just getting her back on the road. Um, and so, yeah. And, or that hit me up on that. Um, in fact, I'll probably put a link to that group, that Facebook group on there too. Um, yeah, yeah, if you send send me the links and I'll include them with the details. I'll also I'll have your web address included in the details and a couple of pictures of some of the Type Four stuff we talked about. And I'll have all that stuff down in the details of the podcast. When you click on it, you can go down and look at it. And we'll also put it on the blog page. So, uh, yeah, no, look, Tom, I'm glad we got a chance to sit down and kind of go over this stuff. Before we wrap up, is there anything else that you feel we didn't touch on that we need to touch on or any of that kind of stuff? Um, I think we did a pretty good job. Um, I. I think as we had mentioned before, you know, there's, it, this isn't, this wasn't, this project wasn't just me. This project was the culmination of so many people. Um, I, I, I want to give a shout out to, of course, Rolf. Rolf was such an invaluable when I first started this. Um, and, uh, of course, another man who gave me so much information, Jake Gravy. Um, and, um, another one that kind of always kind of fueled the fire for, for the car stuff initially was my, my younger brother, Chris. Um, he, uh, he kind of helped with a lot of it, but you know, there's, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy now I've got, um, I got a gentleman, a friend I've met over in the next city over in Cheyenne, a guy named Dave, who's, he's starting to get into type fours. He found out I was into type fours and he was just like, Oh, and he was, he's been buying up stuff and. He's going to help me with, you know, we're going to photograph some of the parts he has laying around. So he's going to help me out with some stuff. And so, you know, it's guys, it's guys like that who just, you know, who just, who want, who want to help the scene, who want to help right. everyone else in this. And um, all of those people have been so great. And obviously, you know, shout out to my wife who puts up with, you know, <laughs> my the random Volkswagen stuff. And she's like, okay, she's not a car person. So she's kind of like, okay, honey. You know, um, but you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just, a um, it's, it's a life, it's a lifelong passion for me. I don't think I'll ever be out of it and I'm just going to continue going on. And, um, 
you know, I, I hope that, you know, we can advance the type four scene even further. Yeah. No, I'd I'd love to see. Yeah. I'd love to see more of those type fours that last week's podcast with, uh, with, um, Steve Knoll, you know, he's got that type four in there with the nine twelve E trans and, uh, you know, I just, I just like the way that the conversion works out. And I just think it's, uh, it's a really underrated, it's an underrated engine swap. That's some of the easiest stuff out there. And when you, when you think about the mountains of type four core motors that are out there ready for the picking, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty surprising that there's not more of those conversions, but who knows, man, we're working on little by little. I get a lot of feedback from people where they're talking about, they get excited when I talk about type four or engine or we do, when we do deep dives into engines and conversions and stuff like this, but we'll, uh, it's all it's all education. That's Just it. Learn, learn, learn. That's it. Well, Tom, I I, th- I thank you for coming on the podcast today, and I'm sure uh, hopefully I'll run into you at one of these shows uh, one of these days coming up in the future if you're ever out ever out west here, or if they start having some I will, huge. I will let you know when I hit hit Vegas <laughs> for sure. Well, listen, don't forget September 24th is the Vegas One Crazy Weekend that we're having out here, which is a. Uh, a big it's it's a friday saturday event that's going to take place here at the orleans hotel and casino and it's going to be two organized strip cruises a car show on saturday and a cash money poker run on saturday night so that's 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 worth coming down from laramie wyoming <laughs> for sure so yeah if you get a chance man come out for the, the one crazy weekend man when you some money staying a cheap staying in staying in an affordable hotel that's going to be surrounded with vw people so that's going to be the, the greatest thing ever so Hey, appreciate you coming on the podcast today, man. All right. Well, thank you for having me. You got it, buddy. It was fun. All right. If you enjoyed that podcast, make sure you share this podcast with a friend. You like us on Facebook. You follow us on Instagram. And you subscribe to our YouTube channel that constantly has content being updated. To support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com and pick up some merch. And don't forget about our one crazy weekend coming up September 24th here in Las Vegas with the host hotel of the Orleans Hotel and Casino that will be having special room rates. We'll be having a car show on Saturday, a strip cruise on Friday night, and a poker run Saturday evening. Shout out for this week is Joe No Cool gives us five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Says, saw your booth at Bug Rama this year in Sacramento. I decided to check it out, and I will say this podcast has been awesome to listen to, gets me through long days at work, and motivates me to keep working on my bug. Keep it coming. So Joe No Cool sounds like Joe Cool to me, man, because he likes the podcast. Give us five stars. So to get a shout-out on the podcast, pick up some merch, give us a five-star review, and you too will get a shout-out on the podcast. Until next week, guys. Later.